Welcome to this latest Energy Intelligence Podcast. My name is Oliver Klaus. I'm the Dubai Bureau Chief and with me is Amna Barker, our Deputy Bureau Chief. Hello, Amna. Hi, Oliver. Uh, today we'll be talking about the attacks uh, on Saturday on critical Saudi oil infrastructure um, that have uh, been very significant and some people have described those uh, uh, as probably having created the most dangerous situation um, ever for oil markets. And that, you know, that comes from people who've experienced the Iraq-Iran war in the 1980s and even the 1973 Arab oil embargo. So um, uh, it, it's been a very critical time for oil markets, for Saudi Arabia. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, what actually happened and um, what do we know about uh, uh, what actually struck the, the, the facilities, some of which are probably the most critical in the kingdom? As you've correctly described this, Oliver, this is a massive attack on uh, Saudi facilities. We've seen earlier in the year some attacks, but this is by far the largest. It wiped out 5.7 million barrels per day of production in just a few minutes. Two facilities were hit Uh, the Abqaiq uh, plant and the uh, Khores uh, facilities. Um, so what we know so far, what targeted those, uh, those facilities, according to the Saudi state news agency, they said that they were drones. Um, currently, we're receiving information that from, uh, from sources that it might have been uh, missiles targeting those facilities. Um, and, and just to uh, interject, but we've seen some photos uh, that the U.S. have released, some satellite images, which show, which show that these must have been pretty much preci pretty precise uh, strikes, uh, don't they? Yeah, um, Based absolutely. on what we can see. Yeah, I mean, the spheres that were targeted in the Abqaiq refinery, the precision was very high, and uh, military experts say that this must have been uh, a missile rather than a drone. Mm. And so we're still waiting for clarification. There were some reports suggesting it might even have been a combination of both. Uh, but obviously very interesting to hear that uh, there is some uh, indication now there was in, in, indeed some sort of missiles that were involved. Um, the, uh, um, I mean, the, uh, the scale of the damage, you, you touched on it, has been pretty significant. And we're talking about um, really critical infrastructure in that upcake is the world's largest oil processing center. From there, um, the crude is being delivered uh, uh, east to the refineries in the eastern province, uh, onto Bahrain uh, as well, and west via the east-west pipeline to uh, Yanbu and facilities there. Um, uh, what, what do we know in terms of um, specific parts of the facilities uh, at, at Khorais, which is the second largest oil field in Saudi Arabia specifically, for example. Uh, what we've gathered so far from our sources, Oliver, is that the Abqaiq uh, uh, facility uh, had the, the more extensive damage mm -hmm. compared to Khorais. There are 11 spheres uh, at the Abqaiq refinery. These are gas oil separation spheres. Nine out of the 11 were hit. Uh, and uh, the damage was described as major damage. Um, and uh, the stabilization column at uh, Abqaiq also was, uh, was hit and it was a major damage there. In Khores, uh, there are five trains, uh, three out of the five were damaged. And again, um, 
we've heard that it was major damage and the stabilization column again was targeted and that needs to be completely replaced. Now in terms of timelines on uh, how fast uh, these, the repair works could happen, there are assessment teams on the ground now uh, assessing the extent and the time needed and the time needed to order the materials but we understand that this is a top priority of Aramco. Aramco has given uh, an open budget for contractors and people working on, on their mm. repairs uh, so it'll happen as fast as possible uh, to uh, the information that we have now is about 2.3 million uh, barrels will be uh, back today and uh, the, the breakdown of that is 2 million from Upcake and 300,000 from Khorais. It's just really important to say that the 2 million from Upcake is not necessarily related to uh, damage that was repaired. It was more of a precaution that was taken by Aramco to shut down the facility when the mm. attack happened. And it's just a matter of restarting that. Uh, so it's not related to repairs. But when Khorais, the, the, one of the trains has been repaired and they're expecting 300,000 from Khorais mm. And that's five trains in total, 300,000 barrels per day of capacity each. So obviously, um, and that had been expected, markets reacted uh, quite strongly. I mean, we saw oil prices jump uh, uh, around $11 uh, in Asia earlier this morning. Um, now, the... Uh, um, you said about 2.3 million barrels per day will be coming back uh, probably within a day or so. Um, the remainder of that, and you alluded to it, is that is still not quite clear. And I think we're talking about um, weeks rather than just a few more days, right, for some of this work to be done from what we understand. Yes, from what we understand, it's going to be a matter of weeks. There is no formal or official assessment yet because the teams are still currently on the ground and it's just important to note that we haven't heard yet from the Saudi officials, we haven't heard from uh, the new energy minister Prince Abdelaziz bin Salman, we haven't heard from Aramco which promised us that uh, after the attacks happened on Saturday, 48 hours later, they would give us an update. Mm. We haven't heard back yet. Mm. So they may be coming uh, uh, later today or tomorrow I guess on that. Um, the, uh, uh, the other thing, I mean in that context, whoever seen some of the video footage that came out, I mean, these were pretty massive explosions, right? I mean, it looked uh, um, absolutely uh, devastating. And and, the fires uh, took hours to yeah, put out. Yes, and uh, I mean, luckily, no um, reports of injuries or lives lost. I think that's probably one, one thing to add. Um, maybe, uh, uh, you know, sort of underlines the precision that was involved in these attacks. Um, but, uh, I mean, let's uh, talk maybe a little bit more about what else is Aramco now going to deal with the outages? They obviously had to respond pretty swiftly to uh, addressing this massive uh, loss in, in, in production. So what are they going to do next? Uh, I mean, we, we heard there will be... Um, uh, maintaining export levels, uh, how, how are they going to do all this? Uh, the the uh, attack was massive, but it's also important to note that Aramco is a massive company and it has a lot of flexibility within its system to make up for uh, losses. So they uh, immediately activated a uh, an action plan and uh, they formed a crisis management team which are working with the contractors on the repair, giving them an open uh, budget, etc. Uh, so that's one part of it. Uh, another part of it is that uh, exports 
will not be impacted because they said they're going to be pulling uh, crude out of their storage and for for exports. Um, they are also the Ramco sales team are uh, swapping grades uh, because we understand that the lighter grades, mm. Arab light and Arab extra light, those are the grades that have been affected. So uh, there are some grade swaps happening from the sales team um, to uh, to deal with that uh, issue. Um, in terms of the domestic market, they've increased the um, gas and oil input into local refineries and SABIC plants. Um, and that's yeah. been done in order to, to lower consumption levels. Um, and they've also boosted their offshore uh, production output. Um, maybe around 200,000 barrels uh, a day is coming extra from, uh, from their offshore teams. So these are the, the kind of steps that have been taken so far to manage the crisis. Mm, mm. And one thing I think important to point out too is, and again, you touched on it, but in terms of uh, a production, it's not just that oil has been impacted. We have seen associated gas production, of course, uh, drop as well, which in turn has led to uh, uh, feedstock cuts to some of the petrochemical plants and power stations and from what we understand uh, uh, the Saudis will be burning more liquid fuel um, in some of their power plants going forward at least for the time being um, so that's a, a sort of a side effect that, that came with that so what's interesting is uh, as well of course is that this is really the first big test for uh, the new Saudi energy minister Prince Abdul Aziz bin Salman who as we all know um, was appointed just a little more than a week ago replacing Khalid Al-Falah and his appointment was part of a greater energy sector shakeup in the kingdom. Now um, Prince Abdul Aziz has been in the industry uh, in, in the kingdom's energy sector for more than 30 years. He's a man of uh, experience, but uh, I mean, how, what has he done so far in the crisis, Amina, and uh, how has he responded to it? I think Prince Abdulaziz has really risen to the challenge. He's very much involved in what's going on. Uh, we understand that on Saturday he went uh, himself with the deputy governor of the eastern province and they visited both Apkeik and Khores. Um, and then they went to Aramco HQ to understand what's really going on. And following that, we saw a statement. Mm. Today, again, the prince, uh, Abdelaziz, is uh, in Apkeik and Khores and plans to visit Aramco. So his level of involvement is very high. As you mentioned, that he has over 30 years of experience in this energy sector and uh, a lot of experience in handling these crises. It's not the first time for the prince, but perhaps the first time in this capacity uh, mm. to handle it. And not just in this capacity, certainly the scale is pretty much unprecedented, I think, uh, um, you know, like we said in the beginning. Uh, so a real first test for him. And of course, uh, it also comes at a time when Aramco has been working really hard to uh, accelerating its IPO, um, appointing banks to advise on the offering. Uh, uh, you've been reporting that the uh, IPO might happen as early as this year on the um, local Tadawul stock exchange. Um, you know, that's obviously uh, a real challenge uh, from an Aramco, Aramco perspective, you know, selling um, uh, their shares, offering a part of the company, um, you know, at a time when they're faced with these kinds of challenges. Uh, what do, 
what is it you think we can expect next on this? Do you think that can derail the plans or should we expect things to go ahead? Um, however, we've seen that when Aramco re uh, released their prospectus back in April, they clearly mark that an attack on Aramco or its facilities is a clear uh, risk that the kingdom is facing. So this is one of the risks that was mentioned in the prospectus. We didn't get an update from any officials on the status of the IPO. The top priority right now over any project is the repairs of the, uh, the capacity lost. Um, as far as uh, we can tell, that IPO, the IPO plans are still on track to be listed in Tadawa by the end of the year. International listing is still unclear when that, when and how uh, that will happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, of course, I mean, to investors, having this kind of event happen will make them think uh, twice about investing in Aramco when they can see their capacity just in a few minutes uh, be diminished by 50%. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I think from an investor perspective, that's, uh, uh, that's really tricky uh, to sort of assess uh, in terms of um, uh, longer term risk. And, you know, I think especially knowing that this threat hasn't disappeared just now, right? I mean, that brings us to sort of one other point that we wanted to talk about is um, uh, in terms of who actually claimed responsibility, uh, who has said what in response to the attacks. Um, you know, the, the Houthis, Yemen's Houthi rebels have claimed responsibility. Um, they also have warned that uh, the Saudis need to be prepared for more potentially. Um, so in terms of any investor concerns, this certainly hasn't disappeared. Um, but so what else do we know? I mean, Houthis have claimed responsibility. Um, who else has uh, uh, said what? Well, we've seen the U.S. outright, Secretary Pompeo outright say that this uh, involves Iran. Um, there hasn't been any kind of uh, evidence shared publicly of how this happened, but Iran was, was blamed for it. Um, U.S. President Trump, he said that they're locked and loaded and just ready for the assessment from the kingdom. And once they name who is responsible, the U.S. is ready to take mm. action against them. So we have to kind of wait and see. So far, Saudi officials have called the attack uh, uh, just blamed terrorists, just yeah. generically. Um, and uh, investigations are being done now. But we also understand that on the ground, there's a lot of uh, security presence from the military, civil defense, accesses to all the major facilities have been blocked. So there's a lot of, uh, of security, uh, especially because the risk of another attack uh, is, is very, very probable and possible. Mm -hmm. And the Houthis, again on Monday, they threatened that another attack will be possible in one of the Aramco facilities. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, 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 Foreign Secretary Pompeo blaming the Iranians. The Iranians, of course, have uh, rejected uh, responsibility. There's been some speculation over whether this could derail uh, U.S. plans for Trump to potentially meet uh, President uh, Rouhani on the sidelines of the U.N. meeting uh, in New York. Um, uh, you know, I guess this remains open for the time being. What we have seen earlier uh, today was reports uh, out of Iran in which Rouhani said that there won't be a meeting. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, that could all be part of the, um, the sort of game they're playing. Uh, who knows? But, um, 
you know, I think the uh, uh, certainly want to watch in terms of how this will play out uh, uh, going forward. And so maybe just to wrap it up, I mean, um, the uh, uh, there has been some speculation that there could be an OPEC emergency meeting. Uh, the U U.S. president has offered to release some of the strategic petroleum reserves. Um, what you know? What's the latest there? What have the Saudis said uh, about the whole thing? I've heard from Saudi officials that there is absolutely no call for an emergency OPEC meeting. They don't see a need for it. It's too early to even be talking about any kind of stock releases. Um, so at this point in time, we just have to see how this crisis continues to be managed. Uh, from the incremental steps that we're seeing so far, we are seeing uh, a lot of production being restored in, can I say, record time. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Maybe just give it a couple of weeks more, see how things played uh, out. But for the time being, there is no need for an emergency OPEC meeting and there is no need for a stock release. Mm. At least that's what the Saudis say. So we'll have to see uh, uh, what happens next. Um, thank you, Amina, uh, for uh, sharing your thoughts with us on this. Um, we'll wrap this up for today, but I'm sure we'll have more to talk about later this week at this really critical time for Saudi Arabia and for uh, uh, world oil markets. So um, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. Please check back with us soon for our latest content, which you can find at energyintel.com.